Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. A big hand for your senior pastors, for Pavey and for Jim. You guys have got great pastors and, uh, mate, you know, we're, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for an old couple that when I first got saved, um, the guy that won me to Christ and said, you need to be in a church. And um, boy, those people, we cried together, we did the hard yards together and they, they tolerated me and put up with me. I was around their house all the time, you know, having freak out episodes and anxiety attacks and <laughs> all kinds of stuff but um, where would we be without great pastors and you've got a quality couple here and what a wonderful facility you've got and of course it's not about the facility it's about you this thing keeps the rain off our head isn't it nice to have a base where we can meet at and train and do stuff and train kids and do youth and what have you and meet together and you know, while we've got the freedom still, <laughs> I pray that our freedom, uh, our freedoms stay. But uh, yeah, I thought I'd start off by just showing you a picture of my wife. Uh, is it possible to throw that up? Well done. There's my, I give apologies to my wife, not my precious girl. That she's the better half of the equation. Trust me. Her name's Bronwyn, and um, she's a, she was part of uh, four generations of travelling showmen. You know, like the Brisbane Ecker and all that. So, I mean, her grandmother used to have uh, one of the, she was one of Australia's first snake handlers, used to put on a snake show, like catch 20, uh, 22 bullets in her mouth. <laughs> I mean, they do anything to make a show, you know. But uh, four generations from way before the Great Depression and stuff. But my wife, she really, while she was on the shows, her, her mu- she ended up being raised by a grandma and she put her in a private school in Sydney and she got the best education. Uh, Catholic nuns in Woolwich in Sydney and, uh, you know, they really tapped into her creativity and, uh, yeah, she's done drama. She's got a degree in drama and got a degree in script writing and uh, she's an amazing writer. She's really blessed us with outreaches and putting on big events and stuff and uh, very creative. But I don't know what I'd do without Bron. And, uh, mate, if you want to have fun, marry a redhead. That's all I'll say. That's okay. Molly Jake. No. Red, redheads are the best. Fiery, fiery, but uh, we both are. So it's a wild ride when we get fiery at each other. Trust me, it's a wild ride. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, she's the best half of the equation. Trust me. Well, hallelujah. I, it's an honour to be here with you guys this morning, and I just want to thank Pavey, Pastor Pavey and Jim for inviting me and trusting me with you this morning for me to input into your heart this morning. And this morning, I'm here to do you good. To do you good. And <laughs> so, we, uh, God's, got, God's always been looking for people that can hear his voice. That'll respond to his voice when he speaks to them. And of course, that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit's all about. Really, it's about God in us, up close and personal. Applying the salvation of Jesus to our hearts but guiding and leading us with visions and dreams, gifts of the Holy Spirit, so that he should be able to, through a multiplicity of, of different ways, get through to our hearts. 
and guide us and govern us. But I tell you what, uh, over the last 20 years, the church has really focused on leadership, 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 leadership. Everything's been about leadership, but the reality is leadership's job is to look after all the people. Not look after and spoon feed for the rest of your life, but grow people up, mature them, so that they can hear the voice of God for themselves and serve Jesus valiantly. What do you reckon? That's good leadership. It's about, it's about making disciples. It's about discipleship. It's about inclusiveness. It's not about being served as a great leader and you know, having some wonderful pulpit ministry. It's about getting everyone on their feet being mature spiritually so that we can hear the voice of God and do what he tells us to do. We will rip it to bits if we just get in contact with the God of love and hear his will for us and be open on a daily basis to let him cut across the current of our souls and tell us what you know, he'd love us to do for him. So if you want to learn how to pray properly, you always say, Lord, what would you want me to do for you today? Try starting that next prayer meeting with that, with that sentence, that question, where you ask God and say, what do you, who do you want me to talk to today? Who do you want me to bless today? What can I do for you today? Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about up close and personal, where the third person of the Trinity has come inside us to communicate with us, comfort us, encourage us, edify us. But gee whiz, there's a part B, isn't it? So that we can engage the world. What do you reckon? The Holy Spirit baptism is about mission. It's about caring. It's about kindness. It's about seeing what God sees, seeing people how God sees them. What do you reckon? Huh? It's a revolution. The Holy Spirit wrestles with us. Well, I'm sure you're all familiar with the Abrahamic covenant. If you could put up that my first scripture, Genesis 12, 1 to 3. We're all fairly familiar with the Abrahamic covenant. And here's an old man with his wife, childless, no children, you know, and all of a sudden he's hearing God. His father is an idol maker. That's what his dad does for a job, makes idols. Imagine, imagine being in the house. Well, we've got gold idols over here for the wealthy. We've got copper idols and silver idols for those not so wealthy. Right down to copper, right down to iron, and right down to wood and rubbish. Now, how much can you afford for your idol? Abraham's father's got an idol for you. <laughs> an idol for every occasion. Are you sick? Do you need luck? Do you need to be blessed? We have an idol. And we can laugh, but I tell you what, may God give you a revelation of the idolatry we're facing right now. See, there's an image coming. There's a beast coming. The crazy thing is it's going to be the ultimate in all of human history to mirror a man. I won't go there. I'm a technologist at heart. I left school and uh, my father made me go into Telstra and become a technician in training. My specialty was in installing ex telephone exchange equipment, cutting it over to modern equipment, digital and semi-digital. And uh, I understand transistors and I understand circuitry. I can read a circuit. I've designed circuits. And I understand digitization. Did you know the first transistor, the single joint, a PNP junction, a little trinity it is, the little switch, a little trinity. And all it does is it directs and amplifies current or switches current on and off. 
The first junction was made by William Shockley of the Bell Laboratories in 19... All through the Second World War, they tried to get rid of valves out of radios. Because at sea in big storms and in planes in turbulence, and all the planes flew in turbulence, they didn't fly high. All their valves would fail. They'd lose communications. And Americans were going mad trying to design something that would replace a valve. A vacuum, a vacuum tube, which had numerous grids in it called elements that glow. We got a heater in those things. The little heater in vibrations would just fail. And the radio would stop working. And their goal was to make a vacuum tube less solid joint, a, a, a little um, circuit, a switch they called it. 1948 May, they patented that thing. The same, within six weeks of Israel becoming a nation. So Israel... And the digitization of the world has been going together. But you've got to watch both together. And digitization's going to give us an AI one day, and it'll be something that all men will worship as a, a, the ultimate of self. All solutions, all answers, ask the AI. And then offering the world to connect to it. And we're all, being, we're all going to be told, don't do it. Anyway, that's another story. Okay, Abraham and Covenant. <laughs> Genesis 12, 1. God, you know, God's got Abraham's attention. He's listening. He says, and the Lord told Abraham, leave your country, your relatives and your father's house and go to that land, I'll show you. Whoa. If God spoke to you to do something wild, would you do it? Go and speak to the boss. Ring the prime minister. <laughs> would you do it? Most of us won't. Most of us go, Run that by me again real slow. Is this really you, God, or was it the pizza I ate last night? Is this you really speaking to me? All the way through, the challenge is hearing this voice of the God who is there. And you've been designed to hear his voice. Even before you were a Christian, he's been speaking to you. And when he couldn't get to you in the day, he'd go for you at night in your dreams. Job 33 tells us that. He'll try any way and every way to get through to your heart, to cut across the currents of your soul, that you might hear his voice and live for him. We want everything to engineer around us. We want to be the loci, the center of our universe. We want everything to serve us. Boy, if we're going to hear that voice, you want to get really good at hearing the voice, get the cross in place. The cross and Pentecost go together. You can't separate them. They work together. The more that I'm crucified with Christ, the more power will flow through me. Genesis 12.1. Leave home. Like, that's a big decision. <laughs> and go where? Just trust me. But that, I want to know where I'm going. Just trust me. Shivers, how many of us would have done that? <laughs> Verse 2. And I will cause you to become a father of a great nation. Everyone say E. Now say edification. The number one, if I could summarize the entire New Testament church with one thing we should learn to be good at, one thing this thing called church is, it is edification. We love being built up. We love to feel good. We love to be reminded that we're loved. We love having the voice of shame dealt with in our hearts because Jesus doesn't want us to feel ashamed. But that can be years to get that out of you. It's worse than fear. It is. 
But imagine, we call this edification. Oh, I got a blessing for you. <laughs> we want the prophets to tell us. We want our friends to tell us. We want our husbands to tell us. We want our wives to tell us. Our kids want us to tell them. Our, we want the kids to tell us that they love us, that you're worthwhile, that you're special. My edification. 1 Corinthians 14 says, mate, when we meet together, the Holy Spirit's key job is to edify us. He wants to build us up. We'll go, oh, I love it more. Thank you. God says, I will make you a great nation. Whoa, that's got my attention. I will bless you more, more. Give me more. I will bless you. And I'll make you famous. Woohoo! A godly rock star. Abraham hasn't even got to pick up a guitar. Mate, oh, he's famous, all right. All of Islam is resting on his shoulders. They're this close. I'll bless you. Make you famous. And I'll make you. A blessing to others. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Others are a pain. Others hurt. Others lie. Others gossip. Others betray the guts out of you. Oh, excuse the language. Others, others? Others are a pain. 1.8 meters isn't enough. <laughs> you get it? Uh, anyway. <laughs> Give me a mask. Give me PPE. Personal protection equipment to protect me from others. Get me out of here. <laughs> That's why church is such a shock, eh? Mate, I came to church. We were hippies. I was a martial art bike madman and motorbikes, and I built hot rods. That was, I was in Hot Rod Club at 16. I had the Conrod and Drop Forge uh, steel crankshaft out of a duty Ford 40 on my 16th birthday under my bed. To build my 427 wedge head for my 34 Ford. I like going fast. I'm telling you, I like going fast. <laughs> I'm a bad boy. I've been done some bad things. Illegal street drags, I've done it all. <laughs> bad boy. And I'll bless those who bless you. And I'll curse those who curse you. <sighs> yes, I feel that. <sighs> More. More blessing. More. And then he says, and all of the families of the earth will be blessed through you. But I don't like Scythians. Those mongrels are in Siberia. They'll cut your head off as much as look at you. Scythians? I've got to love a Scythian? I've got to love. And I'm immediately thinking of all the cultures I mightn't like. Cultures that if I had a choice, I'd have nothing to do with them. I feel safe away from people. People hurt. People are dangerous. I'm going to show you how big the problem is. Abraham's about to be thrust into Egypt and he failed the test. Immediately assumed they're all wicked. He gets pushed into the Philistine territory under a king there. Immediately assumed he was going to die and and they, they were wicked. What do we really think about other people? Where are the lines drawn in your life that keep you away from others? 
All of the families. Now we call that the bottom line of the covenant. The top line is, I will bless you. And we go, more Toronto. Give me more. I can't get enough of God. Let me lay on the floor. Let me have a good shake. Let me, mate, give me God. Give me the awareness of his presence. Give me his power. But once you go and ask the neighbor next door to forgive you, he started it. I was a young Christian, and God says to me, I'm not kidding, clear as a bell, driving home from work, you are to go to your mother and you would ask her to forgive you for the way you've treated her. And the moment it came into my heart, I went, No, she's a pain. <laughs> my dad would have been 133 last Monday. 133. He was 62 when I was born. Lived to be 80. Mum lived to be 90. Mum was 22 years younger than him. His second wife, his first wife, died in 1927. What an age, eh? Anyone else here got a father 133? I bet you haven't. My father was older than all my mate's grandfathers. My father was in World War I. <laughs> Me and Dad have spanned three centuries. Yeehaw! 1888 to now. I cut myself off from him at nine years of age. I was an angry young man, angry at him. For the next nine years, I barely spoke to him. It was terrible. I treated him so badly. Five years ministry, trying to get to the root of that and sort that muck out and get that out of my spirit and forgive him and love him. I had to get that out of my heart. But uh, the bottom line of the covenant, the Jews had never done well with it. Abraham didn't do well with it. He had to be forced into Egypt. had to be forced into the Philistines. Do you get it? Isaac, what's he do? Forced into the Philistines, famine forced him in, and he would not bless Abimelech. Jacob, forced into Egypt because of famine, and finally he comes up as a, an old, old man, 147, and he goes, you know, Pharaoh, I bless you. So we measure every Jew by this command, the bottom line, to go and bless. We measure every prophet, we measure every king, we measure everyone that did anything in the Old Testament by these words. Did you want to bless or were you forced to bless? Jonah, give me the word. Forced or willing? How bad was his forcing? There's a whale waiting for you. We've got a whale for you, tailor-made. We're going to take you down to about 30,000 feet to your eardrums and we split. <laughs> Until you'll say, all right. You're the God of salvation. You can save who you want to save. And immediately the well comes up and took the pressure off him. He nearly blew his eardrums out of his head. And who's been willing to do this? It seems there's not many willing. There's not many willing. Go through and test every prophet, test every king. See who went willingly. Joseph, best of the best. How did he go to Egypt? In irons. In irons. But my Lord, did he bless them. How did the Jews go into Babylon? In irons. What was the command once they got there? Bless them. Bless the culture. Bless Babylon. What are we here for this morning? We're here to bless. I want to be a blessing. I've received so much. More, more. And I've, he's given me more. We've got to bridge the gap. This big for some of us, one step. 
take the initiative, determine who in your life you're going to bless before you die. Before Christmas, who are you going to bless? Is it your neighbours? Is it a relative? Is it a workmate? Is it a schoolmate? Is it an old friend? We're here to bless. We don't want to be dragged there by the scruff of our neck. We don't want to be vomited on a beach covered in spew like Jonah. I would have repented if I saw him too. Ah! Imagine seeing him. Acid burnt. Seaweed hanging all over him. And he smelt like spew. Imagine that walking into your city saying, God's going to destroy the lot of you. He still, when he preached, gave a part A message and he refused to give part B. He still refused. And he ended his life in, with a question mark. Did God get the bitterness out of his heart towards the Ninevites? Did he get the bitterness out? We don't know. Oh, please, church. What do you reckon, Christians? What do you reckon? Actually, from here on in, I'm going to call you disciples. Now, I've got to ask you a question. Have you been made yet? Does we make disciples. Oh, yeah. We, tend, we all tend to flow. What's in others, we allow to come into us. I spend my, all my ministry life raising people up, growing them up into maturity, releasing them into the ministry. That's leadership. Helping people grow up. Scary thing is I was still growing up as a leader. <laughs> still leading to grow up. Talk about being healed in the saddle. <laughs> oh, God's got a, he's got a serious sense of humor, God has. Okay, Galatians 3.14, next scripture. God bless you. This is about Abraham. It says, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith, everyone say, by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? By faith. Number one, you're going to know that God wants to fill you. The third person of the Trinity is going to come inside of you, and the first thing you're going to do is speak in a brand new prayer language. He will author it. I spoke in tongues and not a soul laid their hands on me. I was a Christian two to three weeks. I'm in a Sunday meeting and a bloke, man, a bloke fell over with a huge heroin overdose in the meeting. And every, chairs went everywhere. And I thought, this is church. <laughs> and everyone gathered around him. They're all praying for him. You know, he's on the ground, farthing and foaming at the mouth. And oh, mate. And I was, I was completely freaked out. And I'm, I'm praying my guts out for this bloke. Don't die. Don't let him die, God. Next you know, I'm speaking in tongues. No one told me. I didn't even know. What tongues? And I went, what the hell? What was that? What was that? And I remember I was stunned for the rest of the meeting. Tuesday night, home fellowship night, and all the old, I was with all these old ladies and old fellas, me and my young wife. Sorry, girlfriend. She was my girlfriend then. Anyway, we sat there, and they said, it's time for you to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they said, and God's going to give you a new language. I said, I spoke in a new language on Sunday. They went, ah! Who laid hands on you? I said, no one touched me. And the moment they sat me down and laid hands on me, I just, whoa, away we went. Yeah, thank God, eh? And that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit's tied up to the bottom line of the Abrahamic covenant that we might be a blessing to others. And you're going to get a leg up. You're going to get some help 
from within. Oh, without and within. For this Holy Spirit in all of us is going to dream, is going to vision, is going to prophesy until we get on our feet and take our first step towards someone that God loves that we haven't shared with yet. With kindness and compassion, not scaring the heck out of them, not dangling them over hell. Are you with me? Yes. Oh, yes. The Holy Spirit cares. reason we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is because in our flesh we don't like people. We hold grudges. We don't forgive. We're angry. We feel betrayed. We don't trust. We hate gossip. We think everyone's gossiping about us, and yet we forget about how much we gossip ourselves. Exodus 19.3. I'm about to read you 98 words from God. Four sentences. 98 words to make four sentences. 98. The whole nation of Israel come out of Egypt. They finally got to Mount Sinai and they all camped. Moses said, right, oh, we're here. Now to hear from God to see what he wants to do next. Poor old Moses and probably Aaron and some of the boys that went with him. I can imagine climbing up this flaming mountain. You know, the bloke's 80 years old. I'm 70 for crying out loud. I turned 70 in September. And I, I've had, I had a bike praying on, on, on a bike and I was off work, you know, nearly four years, three and a half to four years. Mangled me femur, mangled me tibia, head injuries. I made, I was cut to shreds, didn't have a crash head on. 70 mile an hour hit and run driver ran me down. Had a young girl in the back, no helmet. I nearly died twice and within 24 hours I rang my mother twice, said he's a dead man. You better get, you better get down here, he's not going to live 30 minutes. The girl on the, the girl on Saturday night, February 20, 1971, the girl on accident emergency was in the flaming youth group with the only Christian that had been witnessing to me for four years. They'd been praying for me. Everyone in that flaming youth group knew more about me than I knew about me. Flaming Barry, who I work with, the only Christian who'd been sharing the gospel with me for four years, he's one of his disciples. She's in there. They wheel me in. I'm an absolute smashed mess. 70 mile an hour head on with a GT Falcon, 351, a Clevo, Clevo motor, for those of you that know motors. And he was gunning it. And I had police as witnesses when he hit me. And I landed on the road outside the door where the only Christian that ever witnessed me for four years got his charismatic Pentecostal fellowship. I landed on the road outside the door. When he took me to his first meeting and he pulled up on the street right where I landed on the road and I said, why are we here? There's no church here. It says, the council chamber's up there. It's a pioneer work. It's a church plant. This is going to be your church, Bridgewater. I landed there. I landed outside the door. Will you go to church, you mongrel? I couldn't believe it. Exodus 19.3. So Moses, you know, he's got to make a trip up this flaming mountain to God all the way up to get 98 words. I'd be a bit upset, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I would have said, why don't you talk to me down in the camp? I can hear your voice. Why don't you tell me down there? Well, I want you a little bit uncluttered, I reckon. We need you to be able to, I want you up here to hear my voice, read my lips. Because what I'm about to say to you is insanely important. Are you taking notes, son? Got the hammer and the chisel and the rock ready. <laughs> this is what he says. Exodus 19.3. This is what you're to say to the house of Jacob. And what you're to tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if, 
if, don't you love the ifs? Biggest words in the Bible are the little ones. And if is the biggest of the big, because it puts us at a fork in the road. If, if you obey me and fully keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my true treasure and possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. He goes down the mountain and goes, everyone gathered. Everyone's going, yes, what did God say? What did God say? He says, you're not going to believe it. I wonder if Moses felt threatened as a leader. This is what God says. This is what God said. He wants to use every one of you. Every one of you. Every one of you. Jesus says, every one of you, forget the word Christian. Christ, I like it, it is Christ inside. But you're a disciple. And the moment you got saved, whether someone helped you or did it with you, you are a disciple. You might be a slow train coming, but you're still a disciple. There's lots of things you still haven't learned, but you're still a disciple. We're all to put our hand up and say, I want to grow. I want to grow in hearing the voice. I want to grow at loving others. I want to go grow at knowing others. I want to grow at breakthrough. I want to grow at casting out devils. I want to grow in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to grow at edifying other Christians. I want to grow. I want to grow at winning the loss. I want to grow. Sorry, I get passionate, eh? <laughs> I'm not yelling at you, by the way. I'm just passionate, okay? Now we get serious. Moses anoints 70 elders because he's having a burnout. They're all going to help him. As he anoints them, they all, oh! as he anoints them, oh! and they start to see God. They start to see the prophetic. They start to see the future of Israel. They start to hear about the Messiah. They're in the prophetic. They're under the anointing. As he anoints them, they're all, ah! They start prophesying. All 70, ah! God is here. God is in our midst. He's going to save the world. Ah! Why didn't someone record those prophecies? <laughs> they're all prophesying. Finally, they all went home and one stayed in the camp. And Joshua comes up to Moses and said, stop that idiot prophesying. It's not right. You know, he's still there in the camp. This is the background of this scripture. Numbers eleven twenty nine. 29. And Moses replied to Joshua, are you jealous for my sake? Every pastor on the planet needs to be asked that question. Every leader, every apostle, every prophet, every evangelist, every pastor and every teacher because when they get jealous of you they'll kick you out when they get jealous or threatened by you they'll get rid of you you know what is wrong with the church what is wrong and Joshua he says Moses going because Joshua in the verse before says stop him stop that man don't you feel threatened Moses He's acting too spiritual. He's still going when everyone else has gone home. Stop that man. He says, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that the Lord's people, all, all. Did I say that? I wish that, middle sentence, see the A-double-L. How many do we want to be prophets? Come on. We're prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, who's going to make us all prophesy, help us all prophesy, help us all flow in His gifts, 
to keep the mission the mission every time we meet together, to keep us looking outward, minister to us sure, minister our hurts, comfort our hearts from betrayal and hurts and disappointment and things that go wrong in our life. I lost two kids in 1997, 20 months into my church plan. It was my fault. I was driving and I went to sleep at the wheel driving towards uh, Byron Bay from Sydney. Quarter past one in the afternoon, my two little darlings, Bron and my darlings, eight and ten-year-old Amy and Renee died. My fault. I went to sleep at the wheel. They were going to throw the book at me. They were talking about jailing me. Because I shut my eyes for a second. It only took a second. I lose control at 100 kilometres an hour. You know, how to get under that? Well, the Holy Spirit, he drives us into mission. He gives us visions and dreams and the prophetic. And as I shut this one up, this one starts. And Joel, the prophet, says, mate, as you try shutting people up, then the servants and the handmaids all start prophesying. This thing's big. It's in everyone who's going to open their voice, speak for Jesus, and show the loss to our hearts. To show us people that are in dire need all around us, in need of the gospel, in need of care and love, in need of what we've got and we take for granted. We take for granted what we've got, the fellowship, the relationship, all the goodness of God. But we're here to share it with others. What do you think? Do you agree? Oh, we shut someone down. Bang! The voice breaks out over here. We shut them down. Bang! The voice breaks out over here. We can't shut the voice up because it's the Holy Spirit. We've majored on leadership at the expense of growing and releasing the laity. I am a disciple before I am a pastor. I'm no longer pastoring a church. I am a disciple still. I'm 70 years old and I'm looking for ways to win people to Christ and bring people into my house and love them, bless them and start a meeting in my house where I can teach them further about Jesus. What do you reckon? Till the day I die, till the day I die. My series, my story of salvation. Uh, my story of salvation, I got involved in a martial art club. It was my second club I was in. I used to live for martial arts, trained minimum three times a week. Did Tencho training, Zen Buddhism training, Zen mind control. I was doing it all. And then I fell in with a group that was a front for a stinking coven. The controller, ex-Anglican minister, can you believe that? He was he trained in Moore Theological College in Sydney to be an Anglican minister. And they destroy him with rationalism. They just destroy them. Have you heard of the term higher criticism where they criticise the scripture and they criticise history? In the end, you've got nothing left. And he was so disillusioned, he ended up seeking the occult and seeking mysticism, this guy. And in the end, he's got 36 young men, disciples under him. And then he asked me to join the flock. Tried to hypnotise me one night. Went to a birthday party. I didn't know they were into the, all this stuff. I got the fright of my life. All had a wardrobe with black gowns they put on. You know, human figures in wax and knives. Oh, jeez, they scared the heck out of me. I used to go in the graveyards, Rookwood Cemetery, and ask for the spirits. They'd light candles in a circle, a magic circle. They asked all, uh, to prove that the spirit was present, the flames would bend into the wind. And uh, when I tried to get away from them, they said, you can't leave, you know too much. The road you've trodden to get to us is gone. You are now one of us and you've got to stay with us. Then I got splattered on my head on. Bad news. I was in a mess. I was in a major, major mess. I ran to Jesus. The words of the Christian that have been faithfully sharing with me for four years came to life. Meant so much. 
You know, for five years, I had so many deliverance sessions, having demons cast out of me, but within a very short time, I was casting demons out of others. <laughs> it was one of my strengths, actually. Anyone who come to a house would fall on the ground and manifest demons. <laughs> I go, oh, another one! <laughs> In the name of Jesus! Oh, my. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Thank God for Jesus, eh? I found the devil before I found Christ and it made me run straight to the arms of Christ. I knew he was real. I knew he was. They quizzed me so closely. Had I had anything to do with Christianity? Oh, boy. Well, we... Uh, yeah, I landed on the road where the only Christian that had never witnessed to me for four years got filled with the Holy Spirit halfway through. He changed and he became scary. Every time he'd get me on my own, I'd cry. I couldn't help it. Tears, my eyes would fill up with tears and I'd say, Oh, I've got to go to the toilet, Bazza! And off I'd go and I'd lie and run and try and hide from him. Finally, God corralled me and I couldn't run anymore. So the New Testament teaches the priesthood of the believer. And 1 Peter 2, you haven't got to put these scriptures up, 1 Peter 2, 9, he calls us a royal priesthood. In Revelation 1, 6, Jesus says a kingdom of priests. Revelation 5, 10, a kingdom of priests again. Revelation 20, verse 6, we're going to be priests who reign. All of us priests, not the, not the, not the leaders and the pastors and the apostles. and the No, all of us. I'm a disciple before I'm a pastor. I am a disciple. All of God's people were called to be prophets. All can hear the voice of God. In Joel, he says, the Spirit of God's poured out upon all flesh. It's going to be so easy to witness in these next decades. It's, going to be, it's not going to be funny. It's going to be our decades, folks. Everything God's doing with the world, coronavirus, we've seen nothing yet. There's more coming. There's some big stuff coming. In the verse where it talks about pandemics in Matthew 24, in the same verse it says earthquakes in unusual places. I've got my seatbelt on. God's in charge of this planet, but he's looking for his people that can hear his voice and obey him. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit's all about. We can all prophesy. We can all dream dreams. We can all have visions. And Jesus said, don't do a mission until, you, until the third person of the Trinity comes and fills you. What about Mark 16, verse 8? I've had, the evangelicals want to end Mark's gospel at verse 8, where it says, and they were all afraid. You know why they want to end it there? Because the rest says, and they will speak with new tongues, and they hate that. They want it out of the gospels. But look, Jameson Fawcett and Brown says, mate, there is no other ending. This is the ending we've gotten that makes sense and we can't. In Mark's power of gospel at verse 8, in fear, with a dead Christ on our hands. Jameson Fawcett and Brown are the best. Their commentary is fantastic when it comes to this. They're evangelicals. In other words, even they're saying there's got to be more because the church is a supernatural thing. Paul says, with stammering lips will bring refreshing. This is the refreshing. Well, one of my favorite models, I want to now give you a model of my favorite disciple in the New Testament. His name's Ananias. The Apostle Paul's ripped off his horse in Acts 19, 1 to 19. We know he, fall, he falls off. You know, they all, others hear a voice. They see the light. They don't hear everything is being said to him. And Jesus said, why are you picking on me? What are you doing? I am Jesus. And he goes, oh! What must I do? Well, you're going to go straight into Damascus and you're going to do what you're told. <laughs> and uh, while he's blind as a bat, he loses his eyesight, completely blind, has to be led by the hand into Damascus. Then we've got, you know, God having a chat with, Anan with, with uh, Ananias. 
It's a huge example. It's a wow factor. Because Saul is now just become a Christian after he's knocked off his horse. He's on the ground. Jesus has gone face to face with him. It's cost him his eyesight. And it's proof. It's proof that this works, that Jesus turned up. In his own account of it in Acts 22, he says, oh, this bloke Ananias, when he came to me, he was devout and loyal. Well, I've got about 10, 12 words to describe that in the broader sense. It's a, they're rich words to describe who Ananias is. And in Paul's own account, he really exonerates Ananias that had the guts to come to him. Because he was the church murderer. He was the Christian killer. He was the hitman that hated Jesus. And, uh, you know, but uh, talk about really hear his voice. It's such a warm dialogue and relationship with God, you know. And the first thing Ananias, well, Ananias, when God comes to him and says, Ananias. Now, the first thing he does, he goes, Ananias. And Ananias says, yes, Lord. Now, be honest with me. Hands up. If God's ever spoken to you and called you by name and you immediately said, I hear you, Lord. Hands up. Take note. <laughs> you guys take that. We've got some work to do. Because he's speaking to a lot of us. He loves you. Oh, his voice is there. And he wants to lead you and direct you at your work days, your family, your neighbors, your outings, your holidays, evangelism time, planned evangelism time, using your home as a ministry center where you love people to death with food and kindness learning how to do a care act to those God lays on your heart he wants to save, then a care event where you do something they like to do. And to finally God initiates the care witness because they're going to ask you. They've gotten to know you enough to know that you're different. They want to know what makes you different. And they're going to initiate it. So at the moment, Ananias is arguing with God, saying, the guy's a killer, I'm not going to speak to him. I love Ananias' resistance. I love the dialogue. Are you serious, God? That is a warm relationship. He's only called a disciple, not an apostle, not a prophet, not an evangelist, not a pastor, not a teacher. He is a disciple. The old King Jimmy and the new King Jimmy call him a certain disciple. They think he's special. The reality is all the translations say a disciple. He's a disciple who God could speak to and he had his attention and he said that one, he called his name once. We have work to do. You're all very quiet. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, hey, uh, <laughs> I do love you, you know that, eh? <laughs> We're in this together. We're in this together. And it gets better. It gets so exciting. You want adventure? You've come to the right place. You've, oh, you want adventure? You're in the right place this morning because I promised you adventure. <laughs> the adventure is going to make your hair stand up on the back of your head the adventure is going to get your heart going because you're going to take risks God's into risks <laughs> Ananias is arguing with God and finally says listen get your pencil out here's the address straight street a guy called you know Judas lives on straight street I got an album a double album a black gospel out of America called Straight Street it's one of my favorite gospel albums I love that thing Anyway, straight street. You're going to find Saul there. Oh, Saul. The guy said, oh, this is a bad idea. Just trust me and go. I've already told him you're coming. He's already seen you in a dream. He's got your name, son. You're not letting me down now. You're going. Now pack your bag and go. Yeah. 
I signed up for an adventure and here we go. I'm going to the house of a Christian killer. I'm going to a house of a guy that can jail me and have me hung, drawn and quartered and stoned to death at the minimum. What are we doing? Imagine the thoughts going through Ananias' head. Fear does that to you. It's a competition of voices when fear turns up. God's or fear in you. You've got to make a choice which voice you will obey. (laughs) And Ananias comes in, and the first thing he says is, Brother Saul, the guy is saved. He was saved on that Damascus road. But how dare he now say, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hang on a minute. Aren't you filled with the Holy Spirit when you get saved? Isn't that salvation? When you get saved? Isn't that the point of salvation? Don't you receive the Holy Spirit when you get saved? Answer, no. Not for most. Some do. Not for most. And he asks him, tells him he's going to be filled with the Spirit after he gets him healed. So the Ananias lays hands on him, he's blind as a bat, he can't see a thing in front of him. In the name of Jesus be healed. Boom, his eyes open. Now I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't go alone. Ananias took mates. Gutless wonder. <laughs> he's like you and I. I can relate. Uh, will you come with me? <laughs> I need some moral support. Just be with me. Will you come with me? I'm scared. The guy's a killer. This guy's going to see my face. The moment his eyes open, he can identify me. I hope God knows what he's doing. (laughs) We're not told he spoke in tongues. But gee whiz, he got him healed. Demanded that he be filled with the Spirit. Then he prophetically tells him his mission. This is just a disciple. Tells him his future. Do you need to be a prophet to tell someone their future? No, just a disciple. He demanded they be, he'd be baptized in water. And then they fellowshiped after all that happened for a few days and he took a team with him. We're not told the team's name. We're not told, but they're just emotional support. And they're probably all young Christians going, shivers. And we were here to see it. We were here to see the mighty Saul of Tarsus filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in water. We were here to see him healed. We were here. What about Judas? Whose house is that? Who is this bloke, Judas? What's he doing? He's in the lounge room going, shiver me timbers. This bloke's got me addressed. This bloke walks from your front door. This bloke knows Saul's here. This bloke gets his eyes open. This guy's got him speaking in tongues madly. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I'll put that up as a verse. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Because there's a value for doing it. There's revelation comes. There's edification comes. Self-edification. For if I'm not edified, you're not going to get edification out of of me to you. If I can't edify myself, how am I going to build you up? Am I making sense? Tongues is an edifier. Mate, in my head, I can be under, under it, under the pump, under the gun. No money, trouble, potential church splits, leaders turning on me, things going wrong with the family, things, trouble, ah, health failing. In the fight, mate, in that, my head, I'm struggling to say anything in English. But in the end, I go, Makrahashanda, Midrayogiahanda. As I start to speak in tongues, like the wind comes into me. And I get edified from within by the Holy Spirit. 
And he gives me insight and gives me revelation. Telling me to hang on and not give up and there's help coming. Or whatever. Am I making sense? What's God doing? Well, if I was God, I would have looked at the Damascus church and would have said, shivers. Paul's trained by Gamaliel. He's a flame and argument on two legs. The guy's got the highest training of theology in the whole nation of Israel. Who can withstand him? Who can, who can out-argue him? No one. Mate, we, 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 how are we going to deal with this bloke, this arrogant man? But mate, this certain disciple Ananias is so full of authority, he's commanding Paul to be filled with the Spirit. He's commanding Paul to be baptized. He's commanding him. Calls him brother. I love that. What's this doing to Paul? So his eyes are open. He, all he knows is this bloke called Ananias is coming. But I can imagine he's baptized in water, he's dripping wet, he's speaking in tongues, he can't stop speaking in tongues. He's coming for a fee because he has ink for three days. You know, and we all sit down at the table and, and, I, and he goes, who in the... I was going to say the flame of hell, but I would not say that. Eh? It's not nice in churches. Sorry. But who in... Who? Who are you? Are you a leader? Are you a big guy for... Je no, I'm just a disciple. And God did that for Paul. Specifically engineered where he knocked him off the horse, the town he was going to. Ananias being ready. Can hear the word voice? Hear the voice. One name. And he goes, yes, Lord, what do you want? What are we doing today, baby? Yes, Lord? Oh, mate, there's the challenge for you and I. I want to hear his voice. What do you reckon? I want him to cut across my soul in the middle of gym class. <laughs> I want him to cut across my soul eating the pizza. I want him to cut across my soul asleep. I want him to, I want him to cut across my soul while I'm driving the car. I want to be available for him to cut across my soul and lead me and direct me anywhere at any time to anyone. Oh, mate, what a story. Mate, what a major example to us. What an example to Paul. This is just a normal Christian. What are apostles like? Oh, I've just set the emergency SOS on my Apple Watch. It thinks I've had a fall. <laughs> I do it all the time when I, I'm okay. I'll just hit that button. I'm okay. <laughs> oh, Believers first, disciples, disciples first, cross-carriers first, Jesus followers first, first, first. Isaiah 54 two says, clear lots of ground for your tents, make your tents large, spread out. Message Bible says, think big. Imagine this hall now, imagine everyone in this church win someone to Christ before Christmas. How about I give you to this date, May 23rd next year, 12 months, to, to love on someone, to let God give you someone's name. You can all hear his voice, you know, and he's got someone to give to you because you're a Christian. And the person that knows you, no one else knows them. You're going to be my Barry Winton. You're going to be Barry Winton to them, the guy that I worked with for four years who ended up becoming a missionary and a pastor in Kyagle for 26 years. Who's now retired in Thornside and I was in Thornlands. We meet regularly still. I love him. He is Pentecostal of Pentecostals. He's the best of the best. He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Bible teacher. My mate Barry. I wouldn't be here today if Barry hadn't have spoken up. If Barry hadn't have stepped out. If Barry hadn't have been there for me, I wouldn't be here today. 
Think big. The Message Bible says, I love that. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. And of course, in the Amplified, in verse 2, it says, Be stretched. I'm here this morning. You ready for a prophecy? Thus saith the Lord, I'm here to stretch you. Uh, thus saith the Lord, it's Jesus speaking. Fear not. <laughs> I'm here to stretch you. I'm here to do you good. Thus saith the Lord, there's more to you than what you realize. Thus saith the Lord, there's more. More to the anointing, more to our relationship, more to success. And the word success is in 1 Chronicles 12, 18, after David offered himself to the entire army to knit his heart with the whole army. And when Amasai, captain of the host, heard that, it says the Holy Spirit fell on him. And he said, we're yours, we're yours, we're yours. Success, success, success. For being so vulnerable, for opening your heart to let us in and be part of you. And for us to know you so intimately. God has been waiting for a man like this. Well, you know what? That's the old covenant. That's King David. But I prefer Ananias, who's just a disciple who heals the sick, prophesies people's future, commands people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, commands that people be water baptized. Give me this man. He's my hero in the New Testament because the message of the Apostle Paul was, shiver me timbers. Anyone can know Jesus. And this man is just a Christian? Oh my God. This is going to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy. We better make room because there's going to be untold millions find Christ. How? Through the boldness of your heart. Through you being a disciple and putting your hand up, being willing and ready to go. What do you reckon? This morning, would you like to give your life to Christ? Would you like to give your life to Christ? Look, I'm mad on the priesthood of the believer. I believe if the church is mobilized, we train people, help them through their immaturities, help them grow up spiritually, help them overcome their fears and their shame, that every one of us can be like Jesus. Luke 6.40 says, and let me re redo it in the Amplified, it says, the student's not above his pupil, but it should be the disciple is not above their discipler, it's Christ, right? But he goes on, he says, but everyone, and in every single translation it says everyone, Every Greek translation, every English translation, Luke 6.40, in the Amplified, says everyone. He says, when they are, number one, completely trained. Number two, readjusted. Number three, restored. Number four, uh, set to rights, authority and power. You know who you are in Christ and the power that's there in the Holy Spirit baptism. And number five, perfected. Five actions of equipping and growing up a Christian so that we can be like Ananias, who, when speaking of this story himself, calls Ananias devout, loyal, bankable, trustworthy. There are some character traits we need to get into us, what do you reckon? So that we can be available to hear the voice and do it. Yeah. Oh, there's more. There's more to this Christian life. If Ananias can do it, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. All of us can do it. 
You can all do it. Every last one of us can do it. God is no respecter of persons. What a message to a soul who became Paul. This is the normal Christian life. This is a normal Christian where God calls his name once and he goes, yes, Lord, what are we doing today? Yeehaw, can we be dangerous or what <laughs> to the devil? We've been called to be dangerous. Just bow your heads, Father, in the name of Jesus. Just stand to your feet for a minute. I asked the question a second ago. Look, if you've never given your life to Christ this morning, I'd like to give you this opportunity. Oh, there is a God. He's shown, him, he's shown himself in human history as Jesus Christ. And he demonstrated how much he cares. He recognises what sin has done to you and, the price, and, and all the devastation that's done to the world. And he decided to bear all that himself on the cross. And all you need to do is say, oh, and all this for you, how much, how much for him. He's done it all for you and all you need to do is receive it by faith. There's nothing else you can do except just receive what Christ has done for you on the Calvary. Receive it by faith. The finished work of Christ. He sees you. Boy, he sees you. He loves you. He doesn't care what's you know, you've been subject to or what sin has done to you, he's greater than your sin. He's greater than all of the effects of your sin. He's greater than any human ailment. He's greater than all human error and horridness. He's greater. Mate, he wants to do that for you. Is there anyone that has never given their life to Christ? I'd like to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus right now. Is there, is there anyone? Is there anyone? Okay, secondly, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, it's really simple. I want to say to you, as a critical point, and Anais walks in and says, first words, Brother Saul. Then he tells him he needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, if you've never experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit, with the sign, accompanying sign of being able to speak in a new prayer language to God, which you'll have till the day you die. I want you to be able to receive that this morning too. To be filled with the Holy Spirit on this wonderful Pentecost Sunday. Who needs healing today? Ananias laid hands on Saul and his eyes immediately opened. He was blind as a bat and the light had burnt his pupils out of his head. He got two new eyes. Simple for Jesus. Your ailments, your illnesses and your sicknesses not beyond the reach of Almighty God. Let him heal you today. Let him touch you today with healing. Who needs to access a fresh infilling? I never read Ephesians 5.19 today. Be being filled. I got filled in, in February 1972. Whilst I can point back to a date, the big question is, am I still being filled? Am I still making room for Jesus? Great day to remove the clutter out of your life and make room for the Holy Spirit anointing. God wants to speak to you and he wants to use you for his glory to touch everyone that you're in contact with with his love. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.